Well, welcome to the uncomfortable truth. Here's my uncomfortable truth. I am a sublime failure. Oh, yeah. What have I failed at, you might ask? I imagine you may be. Well, I'm not much of a swimmer. You know, I've always had a, my own pool in my own house for 30 years. In fact, we had two pools for a while, an indoor pool, which we finally turned into a retreat center. But the outdoor pool is one of the largest in Rhode Island. And I use it, but I'm not a really great swimmer. Never learned how to swim well, you know? I'm terrible at statistics. I thought I was going to fail in my pursuit of a PhD because I had to take a mandatory statistics course. And every time I looked at a scatter sheet or scatter diagram or whatever those Rossatch ink blocks are, you know, I had a panic attack. I don't like statistics. I hate them. I'm a failure at them. I was rejected by Columbia. My senior year in high school, I only applied to two schools, Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey, and Columbia in New York City. And since I live within 50 miles, Columbia asked me to come in for an interview. And I sat there with this recruiting nerd, and the guy opens the folder and he says, well, what do we have here? The president of the student council, the uh, captain of the football team, the editor of the newspaper, and then he takes a look and he says, well, almost, don't we? Now, he must get those kinds of things every day, right? The wise ass. And he put me through some kind of interview that just drove me into absolute catatonia. That's a state uh, just north of Pakistan. And uh, I, did, I just blew the interview. It was terrible. And Columbia sent me one of these letters. Uh, you know, I think I got it before I actually got home. And it said, sorry, you're not for us. Uh, I can't do a Rubik's Cube. Forget the speed guys who do it. I can't do it at all. Can't figure it out. Don't know how to do it. Lost interest. It, it's just of, of no import to me. I failed at open water scuba. You know, I have a paddy uh, certificate and I can scuba dive with an instructor. But going out on my own in open water, I can't do. And while I can blame the instructor that day uh, because he rushed things through and we didn't have lunch and he wanted to get the other guy off to his 3.30 appointment, so I was exhausted... The uncomfortable truth is I failed it. I didn't do it. And I never went back to finish it because I don't need it. I'll go with an instructor. Thank you very much. I failed at writing a novel. You know, I said when I turned 50, I would smoke cigars, learn to play golf, and write a novel. It's my 50-year-old bucket list. Well, I got one of three. You know, I, I know a good Cohiba or a, or a Partigas numero cuatro when I see one. But uh, golf just bores the ass off me. I mean, I get just tediously ill thinking about golf and writing a novel. Well, I am a non-novel writer. I'm a good writer, but I'm more of an observer than I am a creator or a visualizer in terms of what I put on the page. I've got bad hair. You know, never had great hair ever since high school. It thinned rather early in my life. You know, tried hair transplants, but uh, they took to some degree, but um, not great, but I'm resigned to it. You know, I failed at growing good hair. I failed at good teeth. You know, my parents couldn't afford anything. And their idea was they'd pay for the dentist when I was such agonizing pain that I wouldn't leave the house and I kept screaming and they decided that that was too much for them. So then they'd take me to the dentist. Now, later in life, I found the Leonardo da Vinci, the Raphael of cosmetic dentistry. And she's done well by me. I've got great teeth and a great smile now, but I failed at having good teeth. I had to return my client's fee once. I failed at that program. I did it with my partner who, uh, with whom I co-wrote the book, The Innovation Formula, our first book, way back when, you know, this is the early 80s. And uh, 
but it was a bank in Connecticut, and I promised them the world, and we'd come out with all kinds of innovative ideas, and these 25 guys showed up in suits and ties whom I had never bothered to meet, and they decided they would drink at lunch, and they would razz each other and not get along, and after two days of this, uh, a snowstorm started, and I was praying that they would call everything off, but they didn't. Uh, and the client rightfully said, the buyer rightfully said, you didn't do what you said you'd do. And I returned the buyer's money, and that was the last time I did that. 7500 bucks, but in the early 80s, that hurt. I think it would be safe to say I failed pretty well at training my dogs. You know, the uncomfortable truth is they've been great dogs. I mean, Bentley here is a, a championship, an all-world Frisbee dog. He's smart as hell. Puppy is adorable and has learned to come when you call her. And of course, Koufax was very, very obedient, although he killed things whenever he could. Uh, and Buddy Beagle, well, he led his own life. And then there was Buck and Trotsky, fine dogs too, although Buck ran away all the time, and so did Trotsky. And Phoebe, of course, a great dog. Well, I reminisce, but the fact is, they all did about four things, not necessarily the same four things, and that was that. We never did teach them not to jump. We never did teach them not to bark. Uh, they'll sit and give you that paw only because they know food is coming. I remember once the great dog Trotsky, who looked like a wolf and weighed about 100 pounds, uh, was sitting in the pool table room when one of Jason's friends came over, and uh, who knew him, knew him well. And as he walked into the pool room, Trotsky stood on his hind legs, and he put his front paws on this kid's shoulders, stared him right in the eye, and started to growl. And John started to say softly, help me, help me. So I yelled out, John, don't hurt my dog. I think our training failed. I failed at Black Diamonds, you know? I can do Blue Hills. No problem with that. I'm probably better on Blue than I am at Green because I have to pay more attention when I ski. But Black Diamonds, no, sir. Complete failure. And, of course, my dissertation for my PhD was rejected the first time. I'd consider that something of a failure. I only went back and did it over and got my degree because my wife threatened me. Now, why am I telling you all this? You know, I've just spent over six minutes telling you about these sublime failures I've had. Well, they've been huge learning experiences. Nothing ever gets me down. I like to recount them. Some I've overcome, and some I've just learned to live with and forget about. But they're all temporary. There's nothing about skiing down a black diamond that's going to stand me in better stead tomorrow than I would stand anyway. There's nothing about a black diamond, or an open water scuba certificate for that matter, that's going to improve my ability to enjoy my life. But we tend to make these things permanent. Most of you listening to this suffer a failure like this or even not as severe. And it clings to you like gum on your shoe. It accretes like limestone building a stalactite. How do you like my imagery, folks? And you just don't let it go. We permit leakage, you know. Uh, we, if we're a poor student somewhere, we think we're a poor learner. But I can account for you any number of people who did not do good in school who were really excellent learners when given the right chance. My son got through high school with lousy grades, and we got him into the University of Miami by the skin of his teeth academically, because we knew people who could coach him. But he blew away the drama audition uh, to go into the drama department. You have to take two entrance exams there. And so he got into the University of Miami and made the dean's list because the atmosphere and the environment were quite different, and because he had matured, and it suited his learning. He later went to Florida State University for his uh, Master's of Fine Arts, and he did wonderfully well there. You know, we think if we make a poor speech, we have poor expertise, and that's laughably stupid. 
I remember my wife came with me once to a speech I never should have accepted out in Newport. And it was a disaster. It was dead. It was like speaking into a black hole. And as we walked to the parking lot, just hearing the, the sounds of our feet hitting this, the, creating echoes in this empty parking garage, my wife suddenly said, there's nothing you could have done. It was the group. Well, I appreciated that. A failure nonetheless, but not one that's going to scar me. Nothing else I could have done about it. My lesson is, don't take that speech again, or one like it, just for the money. Our egos are too easily externally bruised by what we consider a failure. We seem to think there's a public record. People come to me all the time and they say, oh God, this will hurt my brand. And I don't quite know how to tell them, although I manage, you don't have a brand. Stop worrying about something as if you're going to make the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal tomorrow. Very few people know who you are. That's why you're struggling in your business. Stop worrying about hurting your brand and start focusing more on taking some intelligent risks. Failure is not fatal. We lose resilience and we lose our bounce back if we take things that way. We all have setbacks. We all have problems. We all have defeats. The key is what you do about them, not that you have endured them, not that you've been exposed to them, but what you do about it. So we think it's a terminal, not a station. You know, trains have stations. And so if you're coming up from New York on the Acela, New Haven or Providence are stations, but the terminal is in Boston. At the other end, the terminal is in Washington. A terminal is where you get off the train and you go about your your life doing something else. A station is just a stop along the way. So failure is not a terminal, it's just a station. Stay on the train. Now the empirical evidence about failure is directly opposed to what many of you feel about it. The empirical evidence, for example, everybody likes to point out Richard Branson as this master of innovation, this creative guy, this risk-taking, almost daredevil kind of guy. But Branson's rocket ship crashed. It's about three years behind his estimate for when it will fly. And by the way, if you're one of the 150 or 200 people who put down $100,000, supposedly, to reserve a seat in this rocket ship that takes up 12 people. I hope your number is not among the first 12. If I were you, I'd want to number up to the 90s so you can make an intelligent decision. Elon Musk, another one who gets great news. My God, don't buy his stock. Hire his publicity agent. His cars have quality issues all over the place. He has financial problems all over the place. His government subsidy is going to end. He's been acting like a charity, by the way, since the inception of the company. But these tax advantages he has are going to end. He's been lobbying Congress to put more penalties on the internal combustion engine. He's trying to do everything he can to stay afloat with this. Now he's launched this uh, lower-priced car to try to get mass appeal. He's not going to make his projection on production of this, just as he didn't in the first car or the SUV. And he's going to have a real problem, and Tesla users are going to have increasing problems because guess what? Tesla does not have enough service departments. They don't have enough people around the country who can service these very complex cars, let alone enough charging stations. United Airlines suffered tremendously dragging this poor guy up the aisle and out of the plane. It was horrible. Now, of course, that was a subsidiary of United. It's, it's a, a company to whom they, to which they delegate their business, a commuter carrier, and the employees just use execrable judgment. It wasn't like corporate strategy, but nonetheless, United's name is on the door. But last quarter, United had its most profitable quarter ever, I think, certainly in a long, long time. Things like that that were so ingrained in the public's image for a week or two weeks, YouTube and, and outraged news anchors, they're having a good year. 
2020, the show that competes with 60 Minutes on TV, was a disaster its first year. I doubt that more than a dozen of you listening to this in my vast listening audience remember the very first 2020 show. First of all, you have to be fairly old. But it was, it was specifically put together to compete with 60 Minutes, which has been one of the top rating news, comp, uh, news shows uh, for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. And it was a wreck. It was, it was laughably awful. And so guess what? ABC changed it. Within one week, they changed the format. They brought in different hosts, kicked these two guys out. And 2020 is a big hit today. And so are its derivatives. The Patriots had two and a half quarters of failure. Into the third quarter, significantly, a failure in this last Super Bowl. They were behind by 25 points. They had, a listen to this, a 0.01% chance of winning. You did not hear that wrong. That was not an oral typo. A 0.01% chance of winning at that point. And they won. Because they just got down to business. And so the failure of that first half and the first part of the third quarter, which was an object failure, didn't bother them. Like I said, it's what you do about it. Jobs had a return to Apple. Steve Jobs, the prodigal son, had a return to Apple to develop this magnificent repute he now has. He got thrown out the first time. And I think only by getting thrown out and starting a couple of other companies and learning from there and then coming back was he destined to be as effective as he was. Jack Welch used to be Neutron Jack. Neutron Jack. He killed all the people and just saved the buildings. That was the old neutron bomb theory. But when Welsh left, he was probably the greatest CEO in the history of GE, he had stopped being Neutron Jack. He learned how to do things differently. Imelt, who replaced him, Jeff Imelt, uh, has retired early. And he's the one who just decided to take himself out of the running for Uber. Big surprise there. But he retired early because the board wasn't that crazy about him. He wasn't showing the right returns. GE stock is one of the worst performing stocks in my portfolio. They're in my portfolio because they were a client, and I always bought stocks in my clients. Japanese products post-war were garbage. They were tinny and garbage and laughable, and everyone made fun of them. Tune into any comedy show, then something collapsed. They said, well, that was made in Japan. Not so much today, huh? Quality products at good prices. And look at AM radio. It's going to be out of business. FM was going to put it out of business. Forget cable, forget all the rest of the stuff today. Sirius and Spotify and Who's Atanic and Hula Hula. AM radio is going out of business, except it's, talk, it's turned into talk radio. And it's made a good run at that. So what I'm telling you is, we have a choice. We can subject ourselves, with our failures, to eternal damnation and suffering. Or immediate learning and rebound. That's the uncomfortable tr- the truth. That's your choice. Victimization and victimhood will kill you. I'm not interested in victims. I don't care. If you choose to be a victim, then help yourself. I'm not going to help you. So here are some lessons for you. Number one, ask why you failed and correct that. Don't put a Band-Aid on it. Ask why you weren't successful and correct that. Number two, always play your strengths. When I was fired in 85 and I'm standing out in the cold with 400,000 independent consultants around me, I said, what on earth can I do? Some of these people are doing this and they're doing that, but I didn't try to copy what I was uncomfortable with. What I could do is speak and write. And so I spoke and wrote, spoke and wrote, spoke and wrote. And guess what? Here I am and guess where they are. Ignore one-off negatives or positives. If someone tells you at a bar in Topeka waiting for a late plane at a bar that your idea to make uh, electric uh, water bowls for dogs is a good one, 
I would suggest you forget it as soon as you get on the plane. Conversely, if somebody says to you, well, I don't know, producing IP every week on leadership, everybody's doing that, I don't think you can do it, ignore them too. One-off feedback is worthless. So singularize the negatives, don't generalize them. Something doesn't happen, it didn't happen then. You didn't buy from me on this day at this time. Doesn't mean I'm a lousy salesperson. And understand, by all means, this too shall pass. I know some people cringe at any kind of remote biblical reference and they're going to call the political correct police, but I don't care. This too shall pass. And by the way, if you can't invest in yourself, if you can't spend money on your own self-development, then you don't believe in yourself because you don't think you'll get a return on it. And that's not the problem of the people in whom you're investing. That's your problem. So here's the uncomfortable truth. We think we should always win, quote unquote. But the fact is, the key is when we lose, when we have a sublime failure, to learn from it so we can win even better. That should be a comfortable truth, you know? I'll talk to you soon. Because that was the ring of opportunity. <laughs>